Welcome to my basement, everybody. The producer's giggling in the background. Which producer is my mom? Hi, mom. Yeah, your mom is awesome with a soundboard. <laughs> she is incredible, right? She has all these talents. <laughs> uh, hey, mom, dust my action figures, would you? Yeah, mom, chop, well, chop. And while you're up. And bring me peanut butter sandwich. Yeah, but Scott, my friend here needs a peanut butter sandwich with the crusts off, please. And refresh my lemonade. <laughs> so listen, here we are down in the We basement. are the dick kids yeah, right there, right? Yeah. We're the kids that everybody hates when they invite them over to their place. Mom, we're playing rock band. <laughs> Come down, we need a drummer. No, listen, we got back from Los Angeles, yeah. California. We had a wonderful trip California. there. California. Let me ask you something, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. What are you playing? Uh, I jumped onto... I think you're playing a game called Dad. Yeah, I did have a dad day yesterday. I, okay, I tell sure me all did. about it, Mr. Mom. Well, it was it was just cool. I was, that was honestly nobody wants to hear my dad stories. But that was the first well, day. Good, I'll listen to him. That was the first day I spent with my daughter. With with my my wife had to do some work, so she was totally out of the picture for the whole day. So it was my first all day with the baby day. It's and about that, time. That was a big deal. Let me ask you a question. Was, did I you could, see any poop? I, I always see poop every day, and I get scared if I don't. <laughs> That's that's what happens. Yeah, and it wasn't your own poop. It, yeah, it was wasn't some, my own. Someone poop. else's poop. No. Um, but what have I been playing? I've been playing uh, some stuff that's coming up on the show pretty quickly here. Knit Underground, Fire Emblem. Oh, I yeah. love Fire Emblem. It's a great franchise. What are you thinking about it? You, like uh, it? you know, I'm not the biggest RPG uh, guy in the world, I but I, I, f I found this one to be especially uh, accessible, even to outsiders like myself. Well, that's the thing with these turn-based strategy RPGs that these guys make, the intelligence systems people. They, they make them super easy to get into, and you can never pry them out of your cold, dead hands because they, they suck your life away. Let me, They're so addictive. Let me ask you another question. Ask me. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny that, I, that we're talking about Fire Emblem because uh, intelligent systems, obviously they made the Advance Wars series, and uh, I'm actually reviewing one of those as a buried treasure mm -hmm. on the show. Advance Wars is better than Fire Emblem, yeah. Oh, fuck, I love Advance Wars so I much. I used to... They have tanks in Advance When I lived Wars. in New York, I used to date this girl who lived a couple hours north of the city. <laughs> was there poop? <laughs> my, my girlfriend with quotation marks around it, right? <laughs> okay. No, I, she, was, she actually lived a couple miles, a couple, uh, couple hours north, so I'd take a bus and I would play Advance Wars on the bus every time, <laughs> and I never wanted that bus ride to end. I yeah. just fucking love that game so much. Um, but uh, let's that, that's how you get the ladies, by the way. They, they, they see you advanced them, wars in your bag, you, and they're. Uh, you tell them advanced wars. That's stories. marriage material. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's talk about Vigil Watch, 2013. Okay, yeah, Has right. anyone bought this company yet? Uh, Crytek, I think the rumor is that they're having them help them on new games. But you know, it's kind of a sad thing that Darksiders is going to fade. Um, that sucks. But fuck, man, this business is crazy. It's insane, and of course, uh, you know, um, the junction point is down. Warren Spector was on the show what like the fuck? four weeks ago and something, and he's he's out of a job on his LinkedIn profile. I saw unemployed. I'm looking for things. Got any ideas? Maybe he could sweep the basement. Maybe, maybe he could come by here. Peels. Yeah, maybe we make him a co-host. <laughs> He asks questions. Maybe he could be an unlockable character in the next Mario Kart. You know, Warren Spector should never be out of work in this business, but I have to say, Epic Mickey 2 sucked. It was disappointing. It was awful. Broke our hearts. And Warren, you know, Warren, I know, I know you don't give a shit about anyone's opinion. That was one of the points he made on the show. Yeah. 
It was awful. It, it was bad. And, and, and honestly, on that game. we're in a game uh, universe right now, game industry universe, where you get one shot at things. Maybe two if you're lucky, and then that's, that's right. it. They got to sell bucket loads. Uh, you know, which brings us back to business time, but I'm not going to do an hour of business no, time. No one wants your business that, I did that last, <laughs> did that last week. <laughs> it was really boring. It just kept going, and I'm just looking at your mouth move, and they, I just kept waiting for it to they, end. Did you hear that? Yeah, what? There was a knock, man. Oh. It's Lauren Lanning. Oh my God, Lauren! Hey guys, what's up? How did you find us, nice man? Dungeon. Yeah, I don't know, oh, man. Just... It looks like I got a ticket to the uh, what? That's an M convention. Oh, down here. Yeah, yeah, we were there. We were there. Our table was there. Yeah. Was <laughs> we were showing off our wares. You need something trussed up? We can take care of it. <laughs> Lauren Lanning, it is an nice. honor to have you here in the basement, and thank you for braving the smells and uh, Scott's uh, fart joke humor. That's really, really kind of you. We will accept as payment uh, one hustler. So if you have brought your hustler, I will accept it now. No, that was the, okay. the hustler reference for the show right there. We have to get one in. Shout out. <laughs> That's true. Sorry. Mold and I go way back. So this is uh, actually comfort zone. <laughs> How are you doing, man? It's been a long time since you and I have talked. It has been. You know, we've been doing really great. Uh, I can't complain. Uh, you know, on, on various levels, we, we tried a number of different things. Um, some of them actually, you know, went into, uh, into true efforts and uh, some of them failed. <laughs> and then, uh, but the great thing uh, is Oddworld's been doing great. It, re it really has. It's been so damn cool to see, you know, Stranger's Wrath on a bunch of platforms and to see the reemergence of Abe and uh, you know, and, and it kind of fits. I was going to talk about this a little bit. It kind of fits with uh, this sort of move to uh, 3D slash 2D design, all of this left to right scrolling stuff that we keep seeing in tons of games. You, you were doing this I got 15 years ago, 10 years ago, a long, a long time ago. <laughs> well, yeah. well, I was doing it after it was cool, yes. right? <laughs> meaning, <laughs> meaning, you know, we, we were we were sort of going back to uh, uncool as everyone was thinking, you know, jumping into 3D was cool. And, and at that time, it was funny because we actually, you know, we raised the money having uh, 3D expertise. That's true, you know? right? So we're like, yeah, games are going to go 3D, man. And we got 3D expertise, so we're going to do great. And uh, then we made it to an FD game, you know. <laughs> but, but hey, whatever it takes to get it, as long as you ultimately deliver, right? In, in terms of, you know, financing money and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, it... it there's, it, it's funny. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, right? So technical and uh, audience reasons why the simple 2D format came back, right? And the most obvious reason is just, just the mobile platforms. Yeah, for sure. Know, the iOS and the tablets and touchscreens. And, and then you don't have, you know, you don't have your double analog controller anymore. So things have to get simpler. And you're also dealing with a much wider possible audience, right? Like, like Rovio just absolutely nailed. Yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, so... What's interesting about that is there's something, something that I always sort of felt about games, which was, I, I always felt the new bells and whistles were, you know, were interesting. And as a geek, I'm kind of interested in them along with the next geek. But well, I, I never thought that should be at the expense, or it never really occurred to me that that would be expense at the expense of increasingly great games of, of uh, nostalgic styles. You yeah. Know? And for a while there, I mean, at the beginning of the 3D generation, you know, PlayStation and uh, uh, at that time, the PS1 time, you know, people, if it wasn't 3D, there was, uh, there was, you know, there was kind of a stain on it, a taint on it. And, uh, and what's great about what's happening with this widening base and 
in his, uh, uh, different devices and wider range of people using games is that judgment is kind of it's uh, more to the sidelines now. I mean, it, it still matters with AAA frontline, you know, console content and all that. And people still appreciate great graphics. But really, it was a return to what's really fun, what's what's really engaging, what works in the time formats that people have available to them in their, you know, the disposable time in their lot in their lives. And uh, and with that, we see like you know a, a lot of different reemergences. You know, it's funny because I was I don't remember where I was yesterday, but I saw. Uh, some Tim Schafer's old games for sale. And I, I guess maybe that was on the Apple store. Yeah. Uh, Treasure, uh, Monkey, Monkey Island and stuff. I'm like, how great, you know, and those are great for these new formats. And they never, without the distri- digital distribution uh, reality that we're dealing with now, and it's still, uh, in my opinion, it's still in its infancy, right? In a good way. Yeah. And um, and because of that, uh, these these products can find an audience without without being without filling the limited retail shelf space, right? So that digital shelf space is kind of infinite. As long as you know what you're looking for, you can kind of find it out there. And that's what's awesome because all the opera games now, uh, we have, you know, crossing something like 17 languages on, uh, I don't know, uh, over a dozen networks out there. Uh, and, you know, in individual networks themselves are in different territories. And so it's really it's really fascinating to see, and it's fascinating to see what happens when new audiences get turned on to content that they weren't necessarily seeing before. Yeah, one of the things you know? that we really like about this, and Scott and I talk about this on the show quite a bit, is the idea that uh, games don't disappear like they used to. You know, it's not like the, yeah. they, they, they stay with us, and they're an art form that's sort of being... Uh, um, curated, curated, and also um, honored. I think with reissues and remakes, and and uh, you know uh, the ability to download the classics and stuff. And I, I you know, I, I just don't think that the medium was able to do that. And I think when you guys were initially bringing back this kind of two D game design, everybody was just so hot for the new. And there just wasn't that idea of, uh, you know, honoring the past and everybody just wanted what was new and what was the, the new shiny thing and playing around in 3D. But it does feel like so many people have grown up with with games like when, when you guys were starting to do the, the 2D thing as a kind of a retro throwback with your 3D and character stuff. Uh, there were kids that were that were coming up that were just being born to a world with that they never knew without video games. So. It's kind of cool that there is this, uh, I don't know, global and and uh, eternal celebration around video games now. It's it, and and you're right. It is just beginning. It, and uh, yeah, I completely agree. And, and it's it's getting more like music, yeah. right? And it wasn't for the longest time. And I and I actually admit to misjudging that. Like I thought it would be more like music earlier, right? You know, and uh, and I think where I misjudged that was really in the the complications and the expenses of getting consoles out there, right? and and everything that the latter implies. <laughs> you know, the terms, the licensing uh, narrowness. You know, all all of those things. Not as a critic, but just as how do they recoup those billions of dollars? And that drives a certain perspective and attitude historically, right? But, to, but music. You know, I mean, uh, I remember growing up and. My mother was still listening to stuff from when she was a kid, yeah. 
you know, so it was like doo-wop was still playing. She had 45s of still like the idea of the content never changed because CDs became available. You just got to hear great stuff with more clarity and maybe more ease. And you didn't have to, you know, fast forward for 15 seconds and pay attention to reach the next song, you know, and games are kind of, they're, they're just getting more, much more accessible that way. I mean, just yesterday I saw a business insider report that showed how are people using uh, these iOS devices and tablets, you know, what's it? And 46% of the time consumed is on games, on smartphones yeah. and devices. Yeah. And you're like, wow. You know, I mean, what a flip from the day when just, you know, when Blackberry ruled space. Yeah. You know? And BlackBerry just announced their new stuff and, and, you know, ga games were a tiny little part of their story. It should have been a much bigger deal. So, yeah. So, you know, it's uh, it's catch up time, right? If you're in that, that, you know, if you're under that brand, I don't, and hey, I don't know how they do it. Lauren, Good luck to them. you are uh, one of gaming's most tenacious, most enduring figures. I remember thinking back to the launch of the original Xbox and your face was everywhere. Everybody wanted to talk to you. And uh, then you kind of went underground and then Stranger's Wrath came out and then you kind of went back underground again. And I kind of think of you as like the Clint Eastwood character in the Man With No Name trilogy. <laughs> like you're out in the desert, you're still, you know, fighting bandits and you're still, I, I feel like you're, you know, I feel like you never have gone away. You continue to endure. You're one of uh, gaming's most important icons. And, uh, you know, we see so many developers. We see so many, you know, just, you know, developers who've been around for so long. A lot of them are, you know, some are going away now. Some people are having trouble. How have you endured? How have you managed to continue to do something that you love for so long? You, you know, it's like, God, I wish everything you said was just so true. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I think half of it is like, you know, how did, how did you, uh, how did you manage to just not, not completely fail. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's another way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's really interesting, you know, to me, it's funny because I just did uh, an interview out of Australia where, where they were asking a lot of questions, you know, around challenging larger parties, you know, larger brands, being boisterous, things like that. And part of it, I think, is, you know, I just never really grew up, you know, because yeah. yeah. there's still kind of this eternal flame of wise ass that's yet to be extinguished by having like real life responsibilities like kids, you know <laughs> what I mean? So, so there's kind of this this element of, of maybe handicap, maybe advantage. I'm not quite sure yet. And the, and the party's not fully over yet. Right. So we'll know at the end of the day, but I think in general, really, but, uh, we're looking at things where I, I never got into the, to the medium, uh, because I thought it was a quick buck or I thought it was a great business play. I mean, the, the, you know, those elements that of that, that are kind of inescapable. Uh, but I really got into it for the possibility. And I, I looked at the gaming medium and I said, wow, you know, like, like if, 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 you know, you go back and you look at what, you know, what the peep shows were in Chicago on the, on the piers in the, before motion pictures were invented, you know, you just watch the train go by for a nickel. Right. Yeah, uh, you know, and that's what the, that's the origins of peep shows. And then you, you, you keep on looking and, you know, I had come out of uh, computer graphics. So and my partner, Sherry, you know, who was uh, Oddworld co-founder, Sherry was really a, uh, a executive producing sort of pioneer legend in computer graphics in the eighties. Right. And so she was, you know, doing so many cool things back then that blew my mind before I even knew her. And those companies enabled me to see, you know, digital productions, Robert Abel associates in the beginning, there was PDI, there was Pixar was still selling medical software, you know, <laughs> like 
it was, and that's true, you know, and, uh, and I saw this, the medium of computer graphics. And when I saw computer graphics, I was like, wow, that's, that's it. It's going to be enormous. It's going to affect everything. And, you know, it led me to California, it led me into aerospace, it led me into seeing the really the highest end of military simulator technology, you know, was flying around in that stuff in the eighties. Right. And I was like, this is going to be the future Nintendo machine. And, uh, you know, being in Hollywood, a lot of people didn't see that. But what I got to see at that time was I got to see the computer graphics go from everyone saying it's nothing to becoming the most successful film studio in, in world history, Pixar. Yeah. Right. And that's delivery motion pictures. So I've heard every argument about why CG wasn't going to become anything, why it would never replace models and miniatures, why it would never animate believable characters. You know, I've heard them all right from the experts forever. And seeing that transition of that medium just made it sort of very clear to me. And I always had faith in it, right? Like as soon as I understood computer graphics, I just had faith that it was going to be this knockout medium of the future with so many more possibilities. And we were still just looking at its very early evolutionary stages. And with the game industry, I saw it in the same way. And at the time, you know, there was just no doubt to me of how much mindshare the, the human you know, the collective human psyche was putting into the interactive computer graphic medium of challenge, you know, games. And so looking at it that way, I always had, uh, you know, maybe an unrealistic fantasy that it's a really powerful potential medium and that, you know, maybe, maybe we could tell great stories with it. And what's the purpose of telling great stories? You know, all of that is about shining more light on ourselves. Yeah. And I originally started in the art world. So I always had that perspective of like great art reflects back on us, not necessarily what we want to see, but maybe what we what we need to face. And if we can do that in a way, you know, like uh, and I think back to the original Star Wars or, you know, even Tolkien or something, if we can do that in a way where that reflection is just so engaging and timeless and and resonates with us and maybe maybe, you know, gives us a little, a little more nutrition for for hope and uh, possibility then, you know, that's what always excited me about the medium. And that's why I think it's, it's harder to kind of ultimately get rid of me. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I hear in your uh, voice after all these years, I, I still hear the, the playfulness and the optimism and it's never gone away. And, uh, you know, I, do you ever feel like gaming's forgotten man sometimes? <laughs> no, only in my own house. <laughs> but, I, you know, I don't know. I, because, uh, it's hard to read your own press. I mean, I never believed it when celebrities said that. I only believed it when, when we actually started getting press. And, and if you really care about what you do and what you're making, uh, like I can't imagine being an actor or a songwriter, you know, where it's really a singer, you know, a vocalist where you're on the stage and you're really in front of the crowd. Yeah, it's just you. Really, yeah. God, I'm way too much of a wimp for that. <laughs> it's way too fragile. Hate defeat. You know, I don't know how you could face the rejection. But when you read things that, you know, I mean, sometimes there's hostility, sometimes there's praise, but ultimately it can all be really distracting, you know? And so, uh, I, I started trying to, to sort of evade the perceptions and just, and just follow what I thought was the right bread trails, breadcrumb trails. And when it came to, uh, I mean, the reason I went, I know the reason we went quiet after munch was I really personally, I felt like we underdelivered on what we were touting right. and right. however however we got to that point i personally really really felt vulnerable that way 
And, um, and I, when I do tout something, I, I always believe it. And that's just the truth of it. Right. And I don't, I don't think I'm a good salesman yeah. because I, I don't know how to sell something. I don't believe in, but if I do believe it, you know, I think I can sell great. And I, uh, there was a lot of, you know, it was a turbulent time in the industry as well. Console transitions, publishers going in and out of business, um, you know, budgets rising, uh, production, you know, developers and publishers not, you know, still maturing and how to manage all that. So there was a lot of friction. And we had that great moment in the spotlight, you know, with the, X, the Xbox launch. And uh, so we got a lot of visibility around it. And then ultimately, we just got our asses kicked by Halo, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, admit it when you're on the mat, you're like, oh man, that hurt. Wow, that was a good shot, guys. You know? <laughs> that and, is uh, one of the things I've always loved about you, though, is whenever I've heard you talk about games and, and what your games can do, you always, like, I can see you just spinning these worlds uh, with your words, as you know, and, and, and it's what, it's all these things that you hope your game can do. And then, you know, maybe they do come up short or maybe they don't, but I like the fact that you overreach when you go for something. Oh, you created a universe with Oddworld, you know, and I think that's, uh, that's the resonance, that's the, the, the work of your art, being able to weather all of these different challenges and changes in the, in the game industry. You, you created something that, People in the know, and now more people that had no idea that that weren't sort of educated around what this thing was, are finding it and discovering it, and they're recognizing the you know the truth, the art that you guys created. You know, uh, that element has come back in ways I just couldn't have projected. I couldn't have foreseen. Yeah. Uh, the you know we've often I mean you guys you know we've been talking for years right and over a decade having conversations similar to this, you know, you and I, Vic. Yep. And uh, throughout that time, I had one, and Sherry in particular, the very narrow focus on content is king. Yep. And if if you deliver something real, right? And I live in Berkeley, and in Berkeley is uh, the, the home of uh, Cliff Bar. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you know about Cliff Bar, but that's an amazing oh, story of a Vic guy likes. <laughs> yeah. He's eating one, one right every now. day, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell you, you need an apple with those things, man. It's yeah. like uh, you know, you're trying to pass brick. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, the the point is is like you look at it and you go, look, if people are going to be you know spending this much time and 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 processing this stuff, you know, eating it like it's food, then what are we really delivering? Now, what is it? Is it more nutritious or is it just you know potato chips? And uh, and I don't mean that in any highfalutin way as much as as an artist, I think that that sense of must create with meaningful message is kind of inescapable, you know? And then the real ultimate challenge is how do you, how do you figure that out in, you know, free market, so-called free market society, you know, that's capitalistically profit driven on growth only. Yeah. And so even, you know, the Oddworld Games uh, brought in under, under retail, you know, uh, close to $180 million, right? Which is not anywhere near what they cost to build and market, mm. right? Uh, but the growth, uh, was not the, the type of growth that like Epic was having. And, you know, after, after, uh, Gears of War and after Xbox needed more titles like that, I mean, talk about timing and opportunity. That's like yeah. George Lucas's licensing moment was Epic being able to own their content and getting all that support from Microsoft. You yeah. can only do that. You know, and we had that with Oddworld. you can only do that when you're right there with what they need yeah. at, at the moment they know they need it and you'll, or else you'll never have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. But, um, 
all these things considered, when you're on that path where you're dealing with public companies that are paying for the project, the product that need a 5x to 10x return, right? Then you're you're kind of in that you know factory farming model, right? It's not necessarily a, 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 a it's more of a monoculture danger of everything or nothing rather than the model that we've been using with Oddworld, which is really sort of backing up, taking a look at it more like sharecroppers, you know, <laughs> yeah. we'd say, okay, we're not just going to, you know, uh, uh, everyone's not just going to be working for us as much as we're working together towards something. And we're all going to understand what this business growth is. And we're going to do it in a way where, uh, we don't have to have a, a five to ten x return or look like a loser. If we can do a one point five x return, we're doing better than any other investment you can have right now. Well, that's not su super high risk. Which know? brings us to today, and you know all the stuff that we're talking about. These are developer owned stories that are happening right now. I mean, there are so many digital platforms and different ways to get this content out. I, there is so much strength in the in the power of the developer that has never been possible before in this industry. Do you think that if you, you guys had come to market today with Oddworld, your story would be different? Yeah, because the, the huge, uh, uh, you know, fate of the stars advantage and trick that we got in all this, that it's allowing us to have the success that we're allowing on the digital platform is consider two things. One, this content was not created to optimize this platform as a sort of business monetization strategy. Yeah. What I mean by that is if you want to optimize this plat these platforms, right? You look at NGMoco, you look at, you know, Tencent, you look at uh, even Zynga, right? Like it's a different format of how people are winning or Rovio, yeah. you know? Uh, we were coming, we were able to bring a library of of AAA content and be able to start putting it onto these platforms at a, at a pretty low cost and with basically, you know, uh, retaining the lion's share. Uh, so the numbers could be lower in units, but the profits would be higher in revenue. So mm -hmm. in, in being able to bring that brand visibility with basically tens of millions of dollars of buckets of content, and that, and you know, you're it, all those gold games included, you know, you're at 40 plus million in development. Right. So we were able to take that and the recognitions of the brand and then put that on the digital platform. And what made, I think our story easier, and this is something we still have to get better at is that we really didn't advertise or market. We more PR and grill gorilla marketed. Right. So, so that w wasn't possible before, you know, I think companies that did that awesomely in the in the retail space were like Bioware. You know, if you remember Bioware back in like, uh, I, I remember the first dice conference, they were talking about how they were nurturing their, their website and their audience. And they had a million built in pre-sales on any new game because they had the audience sort of social model their in their forums, web, yeah, right in their forums already. Yep. And that was kind of an earlier, an earlier example of that and still doing it in retail. Whereas we got to carry that brand visibility and that the people, the love that people did have for the product and what time did was kind of make it more unique, like almost like whiskey or good cheese or wine. You yeah, know? Totally. You go, well, this was originally made well, but over time you've got to see how it compared against all these other comparables. And then, you know, time kind of reveals something more unique and yet, you know, did it turn into vinegar or did it turn into something really special? And I think where we were lucky and fortuitous is that I think a lot of people responded with, you know, really special. That's awesome. And that I don't know 
how with the money that we have put into the to the uh, I, I refer to it as Oddworld 2.0, right? How we've the money that we've put in, I don't know how we would have captured the success that we've been having on this level without that existing brand recognition and without, you know, and built in uh, recognition without having nurtured that audience and without, uh, with no basic ad dollars. Like, I don't know how you would capture the same success. So the story is playing out as it should play out. And, and you, yeah, I'm, ho I'm, and you're, I'm hoping so. And you're probably happier today as a game maker than you were when you were in your, the height of building all of these things in their original form i would imagine are you or well yeah i mean that was just miserable right? <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I read these stories about you know people i know and friends and stuff and they go oh yeah games make making games is great and i'm like you know you're so old, you know? <laughs> pulling out our hair and, you know you know so suffering uh you know are you going to make payroll i mean it, you know you guys know, you know, you've talked to everyone, you've been around the block well, long enough. You know I, I mean, how, I own my own company. It yeah. It's, and it, people always come to me and ask about building TV shows or building anything. And it's like, well, it's one <laughs> thing to build something, but it's also another thing to have a company and run the company. There's, there's are two separate issues and, you've, oh, and yeah. you've dealt with them for sure. Yeah. They're like, you know, the ongoing train wreck of your life, right? Like yeah. cars just keep on piling into <laughs> one another and they don't stop no matter how old you get, as long as you're still on the playing field. You know? But, you know, with each of those uh, train cars crashing, there's a lesson. Right. And, and I think for myself, uh, one of my biggest lessons was don't expect limelight and don't be so vulnerable to what people say. You know, mm. and uh, when you're in, I read something by, uh, you know, uh, Cliff Bozinski the other day and and he, and he said, people were at, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he said, well, there's something about that AAA front line, you know, that's really hard to resist seeing your property up on Times Square, seeing, you know, uh, uh, West Coast Choppers or whatever, uh, garage shop, whatever, building your motorcycles for your brand on, you know, like that's cool. And it is cool. And it's very seductive and it's very limited supply and it's very hard to come by and it's kind of like once in a lifetime you can end up in that spot and i and i know that spot and that's a great spot within that spot you know if you don't capture it at that moment it's like oh man it's the most devastating spot right right it's the defeat is just crushing because there's so many eyeballs on it uh and and then every individual weighs their defeats or success in different ways you know i, I walk i've walked away sometimes feeling like we completely lost and half of my team is looking at me like i'm insane you know they're they're joyous and so the the lessons the more that we wreck you know it's i ride motorcycles right? yeah. all my life and I, still like commuting through uh, uh, Bay area traffic for stress release. You know I mean? <laughs> it's, it's, and, and there's something where I've crashed so many times. It's like every time I've crashed and I started when I was a kid, I learned something really good. You know, I've almost never made that same mistake twice, but there's always a new mistake to make you know? <laughs> <laughs> and they hurt, you know, I mean, they really hurt. So what, you get a great story and they're exciting, you know. I don't want to use that as our launching pad, but what is new? Yeah. I don't want it to be a new mistake, but what is coming from you? What, what Can you tell us anything about that? You know, because we're, well, we're celebrating I'm, your I'm past, but what's coming up? <laughs> well, we got, you know, for, for uh, there's, there's two prongs to that. You know, on one, on one side of that fork is, is what Oddworld's doing. And uh, really this effort is, is largely happening at JAW up in the UK today in Otley. And they got a great team up there. They got great space. Uh, and they're really like passionate fans 
you know, building your games. And so, you know, we've got a, a great relationship that's much more of the sort of green, sustainable model than it is the traditional publisher developer yoke. You know, and in many ways that makes Oddworld a micro publisher. And what we're coming out next with is, you know, repackaging the original aid we're redoing the original aid, not as an HD, but in a full 3D engine technology. So cool. part of this nostalgia, uh, I, I call it uh, nostalgialistic, is is like neo-nostalgic is, sorry, <laughs> I've been playing on a few different words, neo-nostalgic. <laughs> part of this neo-nostalgic approach is that there was this great timeless thing about platform gaming. And just to comment and not draw it out, but one of the things that was great was you weren't, you didn't have to navigate the full three dimensions. You were just paying attention more to left, right, up, down. You know, yeah. there was a simpler relationship. And I felt like in that simpler relationship, there was kind of a way to deliver a little more of a, of a sort of watching a story rather than, you know, like being in that FPS mode where you really are in the story. You know, it's more like you're watching the story. And so what we wanted to play around with with the 3D technology was how do we retain that simple, you know, not making you fully drive in the, in the full, this, you know, realm of accesses for your for your motion x y and z as much as more of your intent is still driving it without the need for that precision and doing that in this classical sort of way but doing it in a way that starts maximizing the 3d possibility and starts like squeezing more you know water out of the rock that is the emotional possibility right on. so keeping the same narrative and game design that took largely the same game design that took place in apes odyssey that's being repackaged on basically unity technology and they're turning that that old style up to 11. And so far, you know, I saw the resorts, it's, it's, you know, it's looking cooler than I thought it would. And, uh, that's awesome. and the audience is really resonating now. So that's our first, you know, that's one of our biggest investments. You know, Lauren, uh, I, I, once again, I have to give you a shout out for uh, stranger's wrath, which is one of my favorite video games of all time. It came out in 2005 and gears of war came out uh, a year later. Uh, and was a launch title, obviously, for the Xbox 360. Uh, and one of the yeah. things that I love most, and I would like to see more Stranger's Wrath, so if you have a notepad handy, can you write that down? Make <laughs> Stranger's Wrath 2 and 3. Uh, I have no money to give you, but just, just make it anyway, just just for me. Um, but, uh, but, you know, if you look at Gears of War, nothing against Cliff or Epic or what they, they accomplish, and you look at Stranger's Wrath, Stranger's Wrath, one of the things I love about it is that it has a terrific third act. And I think a lot of times when developers are building games, they don't always think in terms of making the third act interesting for gamers because they don't really have faith that most gamers are going to make it there. Only the hardcore few are going to make it there. Now, if you look at the span of Gears of War, it's more of a one-note experience from beginning to end. Do you think having you know, deeper, richer character. I mean, even, you know, Marcus Phoenix versus Stranger. I mean, it's no no comparison. Stranger is obviously a yeah. much more nuanced, much more interesting, deeper, emotional, spiritual character. Um, do you think that hurts you guys? Do you think gamers maybe didn't necessarily respond or react to the fact that uh, this character maybe was too complicated for a video game? Uh, you know, I, I, my feeling was, was, I don't think that was the reason, you know, and there's, you know, obviously there's been some noise on this over the years and I've said some things and other people have said some things, but, uh, you know, Stranger's Wrath didn't really get a shot, right? It didn't get any visibility. So, uh, and that was whatever the conditions are at the time. And I don't want to drag that up, but he didn't have any advertising in a retail climate. And so you're, you're pretty much sealing your fate, you know, any big game that, you know, was coming out. You, it's coming, you know, it's coming out because hey, you've got the community following it. That's one way. And the other is it's 
they're spending tons and tons of money making sure that everyone knows it's coming out. And if you take that spend away, even your biggest sequels aren't going to perform nearly as well. And when you have something that's a new IP, which was what Stranger was, you know, no one knew what Stranger was. So that was a new IP and it just didn't have a shot. And I think the, the validation of that is really what occurred this Christmas on the Vita. And on the Vita, you know, we took, uh, we took number one in the charts for Vita in the UK and Europe on PSN. And we also took uh, number two in the States. And so, so the reception, you know, the fan mail that we get, the ratings that we get, I think the possibility was there. I think the climate and the conditions sort of denied it and me denied that possibility. And therefore the fate of it was sealed at that, in that era uh, and then we can speculate on all the different reasons why that might have happened. But I think it was basically lack of exposure. And now maybe I could be wrong, you know. Uh, however, getting to your, your first point, which I think is a great observation, is, you know, what about the third act? Right. And so if you, you're coming from film, it's like if the third act isn't completely rocking it, then, you, you, you know, your film's deflating. Right. And you're not going to get that, uh, that applause when the curtain goes down. And so I always thought of these more like films and that we should be what I would call sort of treating the story and the characters with the integrity of how a good filmmaker approaches their narrative or a good you know, novelist does. And so I do think that there's a lot of a lot of wisdom that says you don't have to pay that much attention to it today. And you point out some examples uh, and there's you know, there's a lot of examples where. They just, it just kind of continues on and then eventually there's an ending. And there's a boss. It's not, yeah. There's a boss, yeah. yeah. Everything uh, just goes slack. Yeah. Right. But if you look at it from a uh, analytic, uh, so marketing development cost, you know, uh, investment cost structure, you, you are looking at it differently. And the way you're looking at it is you, statistically how many people are playing, how many hours of the game, how deep are they going, what's the percentage of the audience that ultimately is getting to the end. And when you look at that and having been involved with new hardware launches and, you know, uh, you know, trying, trying to really swing for the fence with marketing campaigns on AAA titles on console, having been there, uh, I can tell you that, you know, that, that is part of the science. And so if the project is getting crunched in any way, it's always the end that's going to suffer. Right. Right. Uh, and, and, and you'll have, uh, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just this, I'm identifying the pressure. You know, it's kind of like being in a in a space capsule, right? There's this pressure. You know, it's not evil, but if you're not paying attention to it, it kills you. <laughs> you know, and uh, the pressure that says, "Look, you know, 90% of the audience is only going to be playing the, for the first third, you know, one tenth of the game, and it's falling off after that, and only five percent is going to get to the end." My, my attitude was always, yeah, but that 5% that's going to get to the end is the most boisterous and the most passionate percent. And if you can mm -hmm. satisfy them, you know, then you're really, you're kind of getting back into that content is king model. Well, and you're also gonna... getting them to tell all their friends that this game is worth playing. Exactly. And yeah. that's, you know, hence my point, right? Which is they're going to become your best advocates. And really that's, you know, uh, in in Oddworld today, that's the that's the huge lesson on a business level is is empowering the people that are empowering you. You know, oftentimes Jaw comes to me with a question, and I say, "Ask the audience." Because you know, what I know at one time, you know, I would have been terrified, and I think I got to prepackage this thing perfectly. And if I don't, you know, someone's going to shoot me with arrows. Uh, and I read something from uh, Tim Schafer the other 
a week or so ago about his uh, Kickstarter campaign. And I thought it was really poignant and dead on. And he said, you know, stop being afraid of what you release, just involve the audience more in your process. And this is one of his biggest lessons in the Kickstarter campaign, he's saying. And And I totally identified with that because normally you're trying to make things perfect. But the more you can engage the audience in the process and your fan base and the more you're empowering them, uh, that feedback is going to be really, really valuable. Okay. And if you listen to it, there's another sort of uh, uh, feedback loop that happens in a, in a positively perpetuating way, you know, making that relationship a little more superconductive, which is they see that you're listening. Yeah. And when they see that you're listening, they start feeling heard. Unlike any comment you're ever going to make on CSNBC or, or right. CNN's forums, you're not heard, you know, there's not a voice anywhere. So that's part of our issue in life today is none of us feel heard. And if we can, as content makers, you know, make our audience feel heard and whether or not we agree with them, make them believe that we listened, which is authentic, you know, and if it is authentic, I think that authenticity resonates and that's how things have more timeless possibilities and deeper, more passionate fan bases. Well, timeless is the operative word, man. I mean, I think you took a page right from Nintendo's playbook with uh, creating worlds where every single character had weight and had uh, sort of a backstory. You could could tell just by looking at them or hearing them that there was something there. I I think you may have created the only game where the actual ammunition also had character, you know, which is, which is really crazy. And it, you know, and I think that is the reason why people are finding your stuff today and still having a great time with it. And there's an, an, you know, an anticipation for these, these remakes, but why do you think more developers don't inject and don't think, and don't put, uh, you know, more sort of emphasis on, on, uh, fleshing, like most characters in most modern video games are, are either to be saved or destroyed, you know, and that, that is, they're like so binary. You've created things with, le- with la- level, levels and layers. And why aren't other developers doing that? Uh, you know, I, th- I think there's probably a lot of, a lot of different reasons. Uh, the one I would say is the one that's inescapable for me is I was an, I'm an artist, right? That's, you know, I'm not a businessman. I'm not a game designer is my, I'm an artist. And as an artist, I don't know really how to engage a project and feel passionate about it unless I believe in it on another level. You know, it's like, we're all here on earth, right? And for X amount of however long we can, we can stick it out and not get cancer, run over or whatever. But we have our window and that window is a possibility for each of us. I mean, really each of us. Yeah. And, and in that, you know, what are we doing with every hours of our every hour of our life, right? And, and I'm, I know that's kind of absurd and woo wooey, but but really, it's kind of true. And so, if we're going to invest years in our life, I mean, there's a lot of projects I haven't taken on that I just know are going to take years of my life, and I just don't feel the nutrients in them. You know, I could feel some cash, I could feel some great relationships, I could feel some great learning curves, but I don't really feel like that's the best way I could have dedicated my energy to for the things I care about in life. And as an artist, you're constantly trying to figure out how to integrate those things you care about in life in your medium of expression. And for me as an artist, I've just been trying to find mediums that can that can utilize uh, the tools and the technologies that I love and the philosophies that I observe, you know, and the realities I observe, and and as a storyteller, how to repackage those into something viable, where, you know, I mean, gaming is kind of like potato chip time, right? Like if we were saying, 
where does gaming fit in the four basic food groups? <laughs> it's it's kind of not there yet, right? For the most part, yeah. using a very loose analogy. But if we said, well, if it were, you know, then how would we look at gaming time? So we'd say, well, uh, as a food, it's it's in the junk food category because we're not really, you know, necessarily. I mean, there's a lot of positive benefits to it. Ted Bryce has given some great talks in Washington about the, the benefits to it. I'm, I'm not trying to get into that or dismiss any of that. But really, we know it's not like you go to games because it's going to help you get your degree right away. Yeah. Right? It's not like they're going to help you get the job and we're trying to be a game designer or something. But if if that's where that space is at, what could that time and opportunity become like, let's say the government tomorrow said, you know what we think, what we think games have a tremendous possibility for impact on our planet. But we think that the free market and the, you know, uh, public company sort of model, the wall street model that requires growth or death for any big successes there. We think that's stifling the greater possibility of this meeting and what it could be giving back to our society. So what we're going to do is we're going to launch a billion dollar fund effort. And we're going to ask the, those in the game community would like to teach kids physics by first grade, to teach kids to read by this time, to uh, help engineers better understand, you know, how the world works and biologists and, and uh, scientists to understand by creating virtual worlds uh, that don't necessarily have to turn a profit, but have to show uh, improvement in cognitive skills and statistic benefits to society. If that happened tomorrow, what would gaming be like in 10 years from now? Yeah, right. Right. And that and that's not even on the table. Right. It's not it's never up for discussion. It's not going to happen under the current way things work here. But we really are still looking at a medium that's just capable of completely kicking ass over all other mediums. Yeah. And and when we look at that and all we want to do is, um, you know, just make money from it or survive or, or improve our craft. I can't ding anyone for those purposes. Right. And I think most uh, development companies are just trying to stay in business, building games. And I think that's a very, uh, difficult and challenging reality to sustain. And so just by nature of building games, you're putting yourself in a pretty tough, uh, place to exist. And what that does is it forces you to be uh, more risk averse with all the creative decisions that you're making because the others seem more suicidal. I mean, if you, look at Abe, right? I'm going out there telling people, no, man, my hero is going to be coming from like the apocalypse factory farm, right? <laughs> <laughs> Where everyone's going to be ground up, you know, and he loves the animals, but then he's going to find out, you know, he's going to go out and discover his people that have been completely genocided. You know, it's going to be great, man. Let's invest in this, <laughs> you know? So it, and it's you kind did. of a you hard got some, story. You got one of the biggest players <laughs> to put money on. It's amazing. It's incredible. You know, Lauren, but listen, that, that uh, was, I, I know you're busy and I know you got to get busy making Strangers Wrath 2 and 3 for me. <laughs> so uh, uh, we're, we're going to let you go. Uh, and and I also, I think your car is double parked in front of the dumpster outside. That's so true. you're going to want to move that. And Vic's mom needs a ride to her <laughs> yeah, yeah. reducing it, class. Still there. Yeah. So if, still you don't, there. Yeah, if you don't mind giving her a ride, that'd be great. Hey, Lauren, though, I, what I want to do is I want to get you back. I think we're going to get some really good uh, response on this podcast and lots of people are going to have more questions and stuff. So if, if you don't mind coming back uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks or a few weeks or something like that, we'd love to do it, man. No, lots love, lots to talk to you about uh, still. I'll, I'll wear the hazmat suit next time. <laughs> <laughs> and bring two hustlers, one for Vic and one for me. We, we don't share our hustler. Yep. Thanks for giving my hey, mom a ride, buddy. Thank <laughs> thanks, you, guys. Lauren. Hey, thanks for, thanks for all the support over the years. It really sure. means a lot to us. Thank you. Thank you, rock, you. buddy. That was Lorne Lanning. That was Lorne effing Lanning. I've never, on our uh, show. I never met him before. 
No? Uh, no, I'd never met Lauren. I've, I've only seen uh, video images of him and uh, heard his voice before. So to meet him in person. We should have got him to do Abe. I can't believe we didn't do that. It's We're so like stupid. Oh, yeah. Like you do, Abe. You do all the voices. I I can't do it. Let me out of here. That's enough of that. You're just my name's Abe. You're diminishing I know. what this man it's has awful. created, and you know, Sorry, Lauren. He, he really is. Uh, he, he really is a visionary. I mean, I think he's he's a little nuts, and I think you have to be a little nuts to, that, to stick around. He does. He's aware of his yeah. nutsiness. Well, he knows he's unique. He knows he's got a, a unique. I mean, look at his games. I mean, they're works of art. They were works of art when the video game industry was like. How do we move a thing in 3D? I want to stab Why did that guy. You have to die. Yeah. When, uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like he, he's telling a story about uh, consumption and consumerism and, and that we're eating ourselves. And, you know, like the video game Nobody industry gives a shit. is like not ready for this does guy. Does this have a cover mechanic? Because <laughs> that's really all we fucking care about. Wait, how come this guy's got a neck? There's yeah. no necks in video games. Give him a fucking bandana and a cover mechanic <laughs> and no neck, and we are good to fucking go. Roll out. I know he's Marines. such an anomaly, and that's why we love him, and that's why he's important. But he you was know. right there on the change too. He yeah, was he was right there when we went from regular old weird human games to crazy shooters. You know, he was he was he, was, he got left behind. He was the cast off husk oh, in the video time. game industry, and he knows it. It's like every time he came out with something, I would be so fucking bitter if I was him. He's not. But you know what's cool is that the world caught up to him. You know, and now all of these guys, the Jonathan Blows, the Clay Entertainments, everybody is out there making. These wicked 2D experiences, and I'm sure they all tip their hat to the awesome, you know, Odd World games that they played that inspired them. And that, you know, I would love for us to be able to afford one more microphone and uh, have like a few people, one or two more microphones, and have like a little roundtable type discussion because that would be really cool to bring in some of the new guard, like uh, uh, some, you know, maybe the designer of uh, Mark of the Ninja again, and we've got. Uh, Lauren Lanning on the line or something like I that. I thought you wanted to use the extra microphone to record our farts. Yeah, oh, we'll, we'll, we have to get butt Which microphones. Which are very musical. We have to get butt microphones. <laughs> musical, where, musical where do you farts. get those? Is there a section for those? Musical farts on the next... Yeah, you can buy those, I think, at... Uh, what's the B&H photo? B&H? In, in, yeah, in they, New sell, York. They, they sell butt mics. <laughs> Fart microphones. Uh, just Take, so I can make it creepy here at the end of the show, I'm yeah. going to eat a banana. So oh, here I am. I'm going to eat right. a banana on the show. First time ever. Wow. That's banana eating music right there. Stitcher. All right. Uh, listen, you can uh, sign up for our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, as Scott just pointed out with his mouth full of banana. And we love hearing from you. So if you've got a comment or a question or whatever, listen, if you want to ask us, uh, have us ask Lauren some more questions when we have them on that you want to know about, let us know. Or recommend right. somebody else that you want to hear. Yeah, anybody else that you'd like on the podcast. Anybody. A different anybody. We probably can't get week. that person, but if you want to recommend it, you go right ahead. How about a pomegranate? I'll eat a pomegranate uh, next week on the if show. If you want to recommend some fruit, we can make that happen. That's We're here for you. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.